Welcome to The Mindset. On this show, we interview athletes, entrepreneurs, and other successful individuals that have the mindset to win in the face of long odds. You'll hear what drives these amazing people and find inspiration to face the challenges in your own life. Today's guest is Rocky Colas, former minor league player and now the founder of Muster, a company changing the way pitchers and quarterbacks improve their throwing technique. Colas tells us what he's learned from his partner and famed throwing coach, Dr. Tom House. He talks about the mental tips he's picked up from his advisor, Jason Goldsmith, about learning to relax and be in the moment. And Colas compares his time as a founder to his work on the pitching mound. Here is Rocky Colas on The Mindset. Welcome to The Mindset. What we believe with the mindset is we believe that the mindset of athletes and entrepreneurs, man, is really parallel. I mean, seriously parallel. And so we have none other than my main man, Rocky, with mustard here, who will probably be able to talk talk about that better than anybody we've had so far because you've been on both sides of it. I mean, you have been a you know, minor league pitcher. You've been a, a lawyer and now an entrepreneur. Like, so let me jump right into it. Bro, how did you go from – pitcher to lawyer to entrepreneur like you got to talk to me about that yeah no look I appreciate the intro and obviously you guys and the people you work with you know uh, both sports and the business world so well so so yeah fired up to be with you guys uh, for me you know I loved the competition aspect of sports and for me that was why pitching was so good right it's like that one-on-one competition and that's what I really got a thrill out of so that's honestly why I became a lawyer. I thought I wanted to be in courtrooms, and, and I would like that kind of competition aspect of uh, – I mean, I needed some job, right? So I figured some kind of job where I could get that competition would so be So hold on, hold on, hold on, real quick. Would, yeah. would you have been on defense or prosecution? I was doing uh, civil stuff. So I went to a firm okay. called Boys Schiller, and they, they um, at the time were really known for kind of like high-impact uh, litigation. So they had um, – they had done the big case of the Supreme Court, had gotten gay marriage rights instituted. Uh, they were doing a lot of high-profile sports cases representing uh, players' associations and some and, and, and uh, ownership and others on antitrust suits. So those are the things that I was really into. Um, I didn't love litigating because, as it turned out, most of the cases weren't really you know doing good work like that, that what was really interesting to me. A lot of it was just kind of throwing paper bombs at the other side and trying to make people's lives miserable and ruin weekends and stuff like that. So I had a couple cases I really cared about. Um, one in particular, when I was at that firm, I represented probably 50 of the world's best women soccer players, and it was a pro bono case. And we sued FIFA, and we sued the Canadian Soccer Association, yeah, over the field surfaces that were used at the 2015 World Cup. What? It was a really, in our view, it was a really discriminatory thing where they used uh, turf field surfaces for the women, whereas for the men, it's a rule that they use grass. And in soccer... In soccer, grass is considered a premium surface. I know for, for you with a football background, you, you got to play on turf all the time. But in soccer, that's not the case because the ball's got to bounce, right? So the ball bounces differently on turf than it does on grass. So we, we did that, and that really got me more on a path of, number one, I wanted to work on things where I felt like I was having a positive impact. Uh, but number two, I got back into the sports world. And it wasn't, wasn't something I planned on, to tell you the truth, but uh, I got to know a lot of the players. I started doing more kind of startup work, helping entrepreneurs, friends of mine that had gone to business school instead of law school, that kind of thing. And I just got addicted to the kind of the entrepreneurial journey. And that was at the same time I was kind of back in the sports world. So 
Uh, from that, I launched a company with four of the women's soccer players. Uh, that's called Re-Inc., run by the players, incredible company that uh, I'm very passionate about and it's doing really well. We're, we're thrilled with that. And then because of my younger brother, uh, who was a professional quarterback for many years, he was working with this gentleman named Tom House, who we think is the most successful personal sports coach of all time, coached Hall of Famers in multiple sports, dethrowing coach to 22 of the current starting NFL quarterbacks. So he's, he's kind of all over. Uh, so Luke was working with him. I met Tom. And we had the, you know, Tom had this idea to, to start a company and loop me in on that, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. But that's kind of how we, uh, we get to where we are today. Wow. All right. So look, so I mean, what is it like then, you know, you're working with Tom House, right? I mean, who's literally the most legendary coach that's not a head coach, maybe of all time, honestly. So you being a pitcher and you working with this guy, like, are you still kind of starstruck when you get to work with him? Like, how's that? I'm totally starstruck. I mean, yeah. first of all, the way I got to know him, when I was still at the law firm, Luke was training with him. And I used to, on my way to the, I live in LA, so commutes can be bad, right? On my way into the office, I would stop and watch Luke train a little bit. But really it was because, of course I want to see my brother, but really it was because I wanted to listen to Tom talk. And he would do these chalk talks in the morning and you could just kind of walk in and there's all these famous people there. Uh, but I felt like it helped me get in the zone for the day. And I was starstruck by Tom, not by any of the, yeah. any of the athletes there. A couple times since we've started this company, we've had to, you know, film things or whatever. And, uh, I always take my glove and then I'll find somebody to, to throw with me. And then Tom will start giving me feedback and tips. And it's, yeah, it's a huge, it's a trip for me because I don't know if you can see it, but I've got in my corner here, my Nolan Ryan's pitcher's Bible. Yeah. That's my actual copy from when I was a kid that I oh. used to learn how to pitch. It's written by Tom House. And so now for Tom to give me throwing tips is ridiculous. It's, it's too bad that I, I suck at throwing now. I mean, I'm too old for it, but it's still fun to get tips from him. And yeah, it's cool. I hear that, man. All right, so look, so we're talking about, you know, mindset. Now, I kind of want to hit on one of the things you just said. You said you used to go and just listen to him just give some, drop some nuggets. Like, yeah. what type of nuggets? Because even though he's a throwing coach, of course – he's saying some things about mentality. I mean, he's just been around the best. Like, what are some of the tips that he would give athletes mentally and some of the yeah. things that you took? Yeah, Tom, you know, first of all, he works with another co-founder of ours, Jason Goldsmith, who we think is kind of the most renowned mental performance coach in the world. And, and so they, they, they kind of have joint teachings on, on this subject that I would say really come from Jason. Uh, but it's really about uh, learning how to relax, which um, – uh, was probably something I wish I had done better at when I was still playing sports. So it's easy for athletes to understand kind of the intensity side of things and maybe for business people too, but to learn how to pair that with um, controlling what you can and forgetting about what you can't control is tricky. Uh, learning how to really enjoy the process at all times, especially when you're, when you're playing a sport to remember the fact that it's playing the sport and not working the sport. Uh, something super tricky. There's something about both Tom and Jason, just like their cadence, the way they speak to people that you don't have to listen to very long and, it, and they know how to help you get into the zone, right? It's something about their tone, their their voice. They know how to bring people from here back down to here where they need to be. So for me, those morning chalk talks, I mean, Tom, to be honest, he was talking about 
whether you should throw a curveball or a fastball to two. It couldn't have been less relevant to what I was going into the office to, to work on. But there was something about the way he approached it, the thoughtfulness, the process of thinking through issues like that, that took me from, I got to respond to a thousand emails and my brain frequencies are flying off the charts to all of a sudden I'm, I'm down here and I can focus and I can actually process the important things for the day. Oh, wow, man. Hey, that's, that's amazing. And so like, you know, business owners who are out there, you just have to realize we get so caught up in grind mode so much and we forget it's, it's almost easy to grind sometimes. You know, if you're, if you're doing something you're passionate about, it should be kind of easy to grind. But at the same time, man, you have to learn when to just, I don't, it, it is that balance of finding out how to relax. So that's really, really important. So tell me this then. So what was more difficult? Now, I know you, you know, you were a minor league pitcher and I've been around a lot of, I would say, because uh, you were the AAA, right? And so that's similar, I would say, it was, is that similar to like an NFL practice squad or something like that? Like, it, it might be. I mean, uh, yeah. first, you're being generous to me. I mean, I, I did pitch in AAA. I was, I was really used as an organizational guy. I was, I was filling in gaps in the minor leagues. Yeah. I, like, I tell people, I think they put me in AAA because they didn't care what happened to me. <laughs> but I did well there. You know, it was fine. But um, I, I think it's probably uh, AAA in general, maybe a yeah, similar level to a practice squad. It's basically like AAA teams for, for big league teams are usually close by. It's a city close by. So if somebody in the big leagues gets hurt, you're only a, a quick drive away. You're not a, a flight away. I got you. All right, so look. So we used to say, like, with the practice squad guys, a lot of them used to be on what they call the chitlin circuit, all right? Chitlin circuit. Anybody who doesn't know what chitlins are, chitlins are pig intestines. In the Southern African-American community, people eat pig intestines. I don't know why. People love them. I don't. But anyway, so, but the chitlin circuit was like a guy get cut one week and then get brought back. And then he gets, you know, cut two hours later and then gets brought back three weeks later. Like, so... You know, being in the minor league and having that kind of on in the back of your mind, like how are you able to still say, okay, you know what? There's a bigger goal that I have in mind. Like I have a law goal in mind. I have an entrepreneur goal in mind. Like how are you able to compartmentalize everything and still be able to perform? Yeah. You know, I mean, look, I think it's the same for sports as it is for business. It's just really getting into the process. And to be honest, I think it's something I'm better at now than I was when I was playing. I think I was I was good at it when I was playing, but I could have been better. I think what you just said is um is interesting. Like like the compartmentalizing, I, I think I could have done better. I think I was always a little bit thinking about results and what's next. And if I could have done less at that, I would have been a better pitcher. I don't know that it would have made that big a difference for me. I mean, I think I think I kind of hit the limit of my my physical traits. Um, but for an athlete to be thinking about, well, after my athletic career is over, I want to do X, Y, and Z, I think could be a distraction. And all of a sudden, you know, I mean, to, to really make it in sports, you got to eat, sleep, breathe your sport. I remember actually, you know, this, maybe this story would be relevant for your experience too. When I was still playing, I was thinking about trying to go to law school in the off season. Okay. And I was trying to figure out how to do that. Um, I knew that professional football players had gone to law school in the offseason. And uh, in L.A., there's a famous example of that. Pat Hayden, who was the quarterback for the Rams, and then at the time he was athletic director at USC, uh, he had gone to law school in his offseasons. And so I was like, you know, law schools were telling me basically you can't do it with baseball. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Somebody, somebody knows how to do this. So I got, found some connection to Pat Hayden, and he went and got breakfast with me. 
And so I'm just picking his brain on things. And he asked me um, what you could make. Sorry, somebody was calling me. Are you they should know better. Um, I said, yeah, I think I, at the time, at the time I just played in AAA. So I said, yeah, I think I, I, I could. I, I, I thought that at the time. And he said, well, then what the hell are you doing here talking to me? You shouldn't be thinking about law school. You should be just training and, and trying to make the big leagues and that's it. And I said, well, but look, I can, I can do my training in the morning and I can go to law school in the afternoon and I've got it all mapped out and I know how I can do it. And he said, that might be true. You know, you, you think you can do your training in four hours. Maybe, maybe you can, but Emmett Smith is not planning out his day to do four hours of training in the morning. He's just anything he can do all day to get better at football. That's all he's doing. Uh, and he's not thinking about all these different results-based things. And so I think for me, I, you know, I couldn't have worked any harder at baseball and gotten any more out of it. But I do think that mentality of this is the only thing I'm doing in everything in life that um, every ounce of energy I have is going to be directed at my process for this one thing. I think that mentality is uh, super important, both sports and business. Dude, you know what? You hit on so many, so many things that, that I like talking about. And one of the things is, as an athlete, our, we talk about transitioning as a player, like from player to business, right? But as an athlete, people always say, man, you have to have this plan B mindset. That's what I always heard, right? And the ones who transition successfully have a plan B. But the ones who have been the greatest that I've been around, they had a plan B, to be quite honest. Or if they did, it wasn't even like they were worked on plan B when plan B came up. And like, like I just I just wonder do a lot of athletes like yourself because I did it too, right? You get focused, you get sidetracked on Plan B, but you got to realize, man, Plan A is really what's going to make it for your life, you know. And so that's you know I guess this is one of the things, especially if you're an NFL player or a major leaguer, like do you put everything into Plan A or do you kind of take a little bit off of Plan A and put in the Plan B? Even though you may have the time, man, a lot of people we just don't have the mental bandwidth. I know I don't. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I'm, yeah. So go ahead. No, I mean, I love the way you phrased it. I think um, for me, you know, what I try to do now that I wish I had done more of before is, and this is something I've learned from Jason and Tom, is just observe things, you know, and that doesn't mean you have to do anything with it. But for athletes now, I guess, and, and, and I give this advice to and any athlete now who wants my advice, not, not to say there's very many people, but I, I, you know, do as well as you can in your sport observe what's going on around you with the business deals so that you're learning naturally and you're going to be able to apply those learnings later. But let's not w worry yet about how you're going to apply all these learnings. Just observe what's going on, observe the opportunities that are out there. Of course, there are some short-term opportunities you got to take, you take advantage of now while you're playing. But for the stuff that's after you're playing, let it be after you're playing. The better a playing career you have, the better the opportunities are going to be when you're done. Exactly. They couldn't have said it better myself. All right. So look, check this out. So what's been hard? You've been on both sides of the equation, right? You, you, you started, you know, mustard and you're, you, you're in this business and you're in entrepreneurship. What's harder? What's been more difficult? Is sports harder or is business harder or more difficult? Which one, which, if you had to choose one, which one is tougher? If I had to choose one, that's that's interesting. I get, yeah. Well, look. First, let me say I think they're really close. You know, I, if if you don't make me choose one, I would say they're they're the same. Right. And really, it's because the challenges, at least for me, are they're like the same challenges basically. I mean, for both of them, uh, 
I think, you know, there's like, there's three big challenges for both. For both, you got to figure out how to get better in business. You got to kind of figure out what you're doing and then figure out how to improve at it. Same thing in sports, right? Like if you're a pitcher trying to figure trying to get better as a pitcher, a lot of information gets thrown at you. And then you got to triage all the information that's coming in and figure out how exactly you want to, you want to get better about that. I think a big challenge for me in both sports and business is, um, it's like twofold in terms of working with a team, right? I mean, you got to really learn how to work with a team. And I guess the first piece about that is learning to not try to do everything yourself. So for me as a pitcher, I used to really just try to strike everybody out, which is really stupid. You, you know, like coaches used to tell me, you know, you cannot pitch and play shortstop at the same time, but fortunately you have another guy playing shortstop. So if you can just make the guy hit the ball, then, you know, you're going to, you're going to be better off. And it's the same thing in business, especially as a startup company. Uh, the early people can just want to try to do everything. And uh, no, like you, you don't have to be the CEO and every other role in the company at the same time. You can hire a shortstop and then, and then let that person do their job. But that's, that's a challenging uh, thing to do. And then the, the last thing is, and this is similar from a pitcher or from somebody founding a company, um, you, you got to learn how to lift teammates up and when um, – and, and just learn how to help make people better at, at what they're doing as opposed to clashing with people. And it's a really easy as a pitcher to yell at the shortstop when they make an error. And I think in business, you know, I, I learned a lot from a guy named David Novak, who was founder and CEO of Young Brands. He's one of our investors and advisors, and he always talks about the power of recognition. So that's something we try to really live by in our company is uh, motivating people with recognition, realizing that every person regardless of what field they're in, whether they're an athlete or a business person in any industry and in business, uh, people are looking to be valuable. People actually want to be helpful. And so giving them direction and enough uh, information so that they know how they can be helpful and then really making sure you recognize them when they do, something so important in both uh, sports and business. I wish I had known it better in sports. So if I have to pick which one's harder, I guess I'll pick sports because – uh, you have, I think, a little bit less control over it, right? Like there's a lot of um, natural ability. Like I couldn't have made myself taller. It would have been better if I was taller. Couldn't do anything about that. In business, I almost think you can solve for any shortcomings because you can hire people, you can bring in partners that, that fill your gaps more than you can in sports. Mm, all right, good point. You know what? You're the first person that said uh, sports, but I never thought about it like that because you're right. There is just a talent limitation or just a – physical limitation to certain things. That's a good point, man. All right, so look. You're, you're, probably, you're probably talking to people that are more talented in sports than I am, so that's probably why you got a demand for that. <laughs> I got you. So, man, look, you talked about raising some money, and I, did, I thought about this as you as you said it, is, you know, you've raised money, and I, I thought about myself as an athlete, okay? Do you ever feel the pressure from, you know, you having raised money and taking somebody's hard-earned money out of their hand? And I thought about it as a player, like I used to feel pressure because I had to make sure that I was worth my salary that they, mm -hmm. that they, that they paid me. Do you ever feel that same pressure? You know? Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. I, you know, th that's interesting. You phrase it that way. I mean, I feel um, in my role in the business, both sides of the fundraising pressure. I mean, we're, we're lucky now we've raised plenty of money for what we need to go and do. But for a long time, I really felt the pressure of, of raising the money. That was probably some of the most stress I felt in this business because we're hiring people. We've got these teammates we want to bring on or had already brought on. And our um, ability to fundraise, that, that makes a difference as to whether we can pay those people or not. 
right? Mm-hmm. So for when you're a pre-revenue company, that fundraising is lifeblood for your early employees and partners. And especially COVID hits, you know, we wanted to make sure we're taking care of our people. So that was, um, that was a lot of pressure. In terms of um, now pressure to investors, yeah, I mean, look, we're early enough that, um, we, you know, we've made a ton of progress and investors are, are super excited about where we're at. But I think uh, there's always pressure to like, move faster, get things out there, start generating revenue. Um, but uh, I think for us, you know, that pressure is going to is gonna increase exponentially over the next year. And we're, we're at a pretty comfortable place with it right now, to be honest. All right. All right. Good, man. I, you know, and I, I've always wondered that, especially for, you know, some entrepreneurs, some founders out here that, that they're trying to raise money right now. And, you know, one of my, our co-founder, Brian Warner, he always says, like, everybody's money ain't good money. Right. Like, have you had any situations like that where, like, you were just like, man, this this girl's or this dude's money is just like, have you ever had any of those uh, situations? Um, We were really selective about folks that we pitched for money. I mean, so I think I was lucky. I've been lucky that I've had and including Brian, I've had a lot of people give us advice early on that um, that we took to heart. And and so we weren't out there just asking anybody, anybody to invest. But I do think. we had some initial conversations with folks where it wasn't like people were offering us money and I was turning it down, but I do think we had initial conversations where we just didn't really follow up because it was clear we weren't going to mesh. And some, a lot of that for us would come out in um, thinking about what the structure was that we were raising money in. I think the folks that weren't not to say this was the case for everybody, but, but for some folks that weren't going to be the right partners for us at this time, the financing structure we used wouldn't be appealing to them. And so there was some self-selection there, but really we were pretty thoughtful about even the first conversations. We were really only looking for value add folks. So I think that that's worked out pretty well so far. Then again, as I said, we're so early, I probably in six months, I'm going to have some investor who's going to be a nightmare. So I'm glad you're asking me now before I had to actually lie about the answer to that question. (laughs) Oh, that's good, man. All right. So look, so every athlete, you know, again, let's talk about mindset. Every athlete has gone through some type of adversity. Right? We always talk about adversity, all right? Like, you know, if it's an injury or if it's just like, you know, an unwinnable game that you somehow win. Like, have you has Mustard had any of those moments where it was just like, dude, this, this just ain't going to work? Like, you know, have you have you had one of those days where like, man, this, this, this just is not going to work. I'm done. But something ends up happening. Have you had one of those or a couple of those or plenty of those? I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example. I mean, I think the short answer is every day. Like uh, my, my, uh, our founding advisor, my business mentor, he says, startup life, you live and you die every single morning. <laughs> so it's like every morning, you know, it's like checking your email. There's going to be some email that makes you think this company's not going anywhere. And then there's going to be some email that makes you think we're, we're taking over the world. And, and to be honest, we're getting a little bit past that stage now where we can see the growth in the community. We can see the product developing. Um, but I mean, all, all the time, I mean, that is a lot of both certainly sports and like the, the characteristics you can, you can take from sports and apply to business, understanding that when you think it's the end of the world, it's, it's not. And you just got to kind of go with the flow and ride things out and, a lot of things happen for a reason. I mean, I think um, one one principle we took early on was we're going to be flexible about this business. And we have a vision for where we think it's going to go and the way we think we're going to monetize and all that. But we're going to learn from the community. We're going to learn from investors, advisors, and we're going to adapt. And so there have been some things that have changed for us in terms of the way we 
think about positioning ourselves. Um, but I don't think we've ever, as a company, let alarm bo- alarm bells ring too much. But definitely internally, are there days I'm freaking out? Of course, of course. I would say most days, especially with my personality type that naturally is a little bit more stressed out and, and wants to wants to go gung ho all the time. But uh, but I'm learning with with Tom and Jason's help to take things in stride more. And I think I think that's that's the important way to do it. Got you, man. All right, so look, we got a couple minutes left. I do want to tell, let you tell everybody, but just about what mustard is. If you give us, you know, the the forty to sixty second pitch, and then I got one more question for you at the end. All right. Yeah, great. Yeah, look. So in short, uh, mustard democratizes the, the best coaching on earth. So we take what Tom and Jason do with with the best athletes in the world, literally Hall of Fame athletes in, in many sports, and we would develop technology for anybody to experience it on their own. So we're starting with a product that's just for pitchers. That's going to be our first thing. We're going to get into many sports later on. But for a pitcher right now who's in our beta community, they can take a video of themselves pitching from their cell phone uh, through, the, through our app or just a video uh, on their phone and then upload it separately. And what they get back is a report card on their mechanics that tells them specifically what they're doing well, what they need to improve based on Tom's feedback, and then gives them drills and exercises in order to make that improvement. What we're gonna incorporate soon is mental performance training from Jason Goldsmith that we think is the best on earth. That's gonna help people get into the zone more frequently, uh, more consistently. And then pretty soon we'll be in other sports. Football, we'll do hitting for baseball and softball. Uh, we'll, do something, we'll do something in golf. So, so that's, I mean, that's in short. And, and we're, we're in early stages of beta right now. But it's been exciting to see uh, people's interaction with the app, to see people actually improving just because they're using the app and we're starting to collect those stories. We've had some people who are in the beta community that then, uh, you know, fairly recently in the last few months, we've, we've let in as investors because they've been so excited about uh, their experience with the app. So that's been fun. So yeah, in short, we're trying to democratize this elite coaching grow the games that we care about a lot. So provide more opportunities for youth to really get decent coaching in sports that uh, typically you need, you need a lot of resources to have access to the good coaching. Uh, and we hope that's gonna help level the playing field for some of these sports that we care about a lot. All right, you, you, heard, it, you heard it from the man. That's exactly what mustard is. I do gotta ask you something though. So yeah. let me check out my, um, all right, ready? Yeah. All right, throwing mechanics, all right, let's, let's yeah. see. Uh, 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 how, how, oh, uh, you, that's not bad. Can you give me a face on one? Let me see. Oh, face on? All right. Yeah, don't hit the phone. Nah. That's real. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not bad. Now, first of all, you, you're talking to the business person and not the throwing coach. So this is, <laughs> okay. you should discount this. But right. I, I, I saw a lot. I liked your head stays very well online, which is great. A lot of people pull off, which is a problem. Your front side, uh, you're keeping the hand tucked in nice, which is great. Your elbow's flying out a little bit. So I think you could be a little bit firmer. Uh, so now you're, you're messing with your throwing arm, but with your, with your, what would be your mm. glove arm if you were a pitcher, but your lead arm if you're a quarterback. Okay. You want to keep that a little bit firm. So if you look at some still frames of Tom Brady and Drew Brees at release point, those are two of the guys that our, our partner Tom House trains. You'll see that they're very adamant about keeping that front side firm and their body comes to their left arm as opposed to letting it pull off a little bit. So you're a little bit, a little bit there. So you want to just kind of keep that, keep that firm. And that's going to help you be a little, a little bit more accurate. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, 
Look, I got coaching. I think I got a comeback in me, dude. I think I'm coming back as a quarterback. I, think I, so. I don't doubt it. I don't, don't doubt, doubt it. Let's see. We'll hook you up with Tom, though. You need, you, need to, you need to work with Tom, not with me. But uh, we can make that happen. <laughs> I hear that, man. All right, well, good, man. One last question. Now, this is the question yeah. I love asking. If you can go back to Rocky's 14, 16-year-old self and you could change one thing, just one, that you just wish you would have known back then that you just say, oh, if I'd have had this, man, I could have been, you know, whatever. Yeah. What one thing, what one thing you think you would change? Yeah. You know, I learned something, I heard something really recently that um, affected how I thought about the way I approached athletics when I was, when I was a kid. So we, we've been lucky in this company, we've got this advisory board of all these hall of fame folks and athletes and coaches and, there's a, a coach on our advisory board. His name is Anson Dorrance. <clears throat> he's the winningest NCAA soccer coach of all time. Okay. He's a, he's the women's soccer coach at UNC. I mean, I think he's won 23 national championships. I think the second place is three. Okay. So basically he's winning the national championship most years. It's, it's ridiculous. And other people are trying by the way. <laughs> so it's pretty impressive. So he, he, we had a call with him recently. We were just talking about best practices. And, uh, he talked about how with his players, He's always trying to get their personal narrative closer to the truth, okay? So he says everybody develops a personal narrative about the way they work, about the way they perform, but usually you develop those narratives to try to protect yourself and to try to feel better about yourself. And he said the closer we can get people to have those narratives to the truth, to the facts, uh, the better they're going to get. In other words, if you really understand and you really believe you take responsibility for the things that you're not doing well, uh, human nature is you're going to figure out how to improve those things. But the pro the reason people don't improve is because they create these narratives where they're like, I'm, I'm already good at this. My, and this was mine. My mental game is strong. I know how to perform mentally. And therefore, it wasn't something I really, I really worked on. But if I had just understood, I think, that one sentence when I was 14, just don't worry about anything else. Just try to really understand the facts of what I'm good at. I think if I had really focused on just getting my personal narrative closer to the truth, uh, I would have been a lot better player and would have been interesting to see what would have happened. Dude, I feel so attacked right now, all right? Cause you, you, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just hit my soul with that because, like, dude, that is everything. When I look back at my life, I'm like, man, if I had to just been honest with the facts of where I was and not try to be where I wanted to be, but just be honest where I was. And I think in business, founders, if you're out there, it's the same exact thing. Like I, I, one dude that he used to always tell me, just be where your feet are. Like, mm. and, and, and it makes a lot of sense, but just, just be where your feet are, you know? And so, man, Rocky, I appreciate all the nuggets that you dropped tonight. Thank you. And I'm, I'm looking for awesome things from Mustard. We got to check out now. But guys, get uh, remember, be where your feet are. Be honest with yourself. And like he said, man, you can't do everything in sports. You can't do everything in business. That's why there are other people out there who are better than you at something else. You're the greatest in the world at what you do, but you're not the greatest in the world at what I do or what Rocky does. So just always remember that. All right? Rocky, appreciate it once again, man. Well Thank you for being on the mindset. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. Good to see you. All right, man. Appreciate Peace. you. See you. All right.